Welcome everyone to the Second Star to the Left cast and crew Q&A, minus Johnny who couldn't make it at this time. Herschel says hi. Herschel says hi and you're all arrested. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm Emily, so I write under EJ Lomax, um, and I co-wrote this podcast with Aisha. I also produced it, and I think those are the main things I did. Mm-hmm. And it was really fun. I'm Aisha... Eufara and I co-wrote this uh, podcast with Emily, and that's what I. And I am also the voice of Amelia. Yeah, and you were you were also effectively our casting director. I always stick that as a tagline for you because mm. you just kind of went out. You're like, hey, Joran. Hey, I know some people. <laughs> hey, I know a lot of people. <laughs> I'm Ishani. I play Gwen, and you play Gwen awesomely. Yay. Thank you. Hi, my name is Joran, and I play Belle Summers. My name is Matthew Zonzinger, and I play Mikhail. And you play Mikhail wonderfully. Oh, thank and you. And Joran, you play Belle wonderfully. Thank and you. Aisha, you play Amelia wonderfully. Oh, thanks. Yeah, she's wonderful. And I'm Rachel. <laughs> I am the director, editor, and sound wizard. Yeah, Rachel makes everyone's audio sound more fucked up, so it can match my <laughs> fucked up audio. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> that was the solution, yes. Yeah. We're like, well, we can't make Aisha's audio better. <laughs> Let's make everybody else's worse. That's that's skill. That's. I bring down the quality of the whole, <laughs> whole you, you podcast. You just set us in an echoey space station where we belong. And I think that's good. Yeah. Artistic yeah. liberties. I don't know what happened. <laughs> that was just a bad, it was a bad echoey day. You know, every um, episode was its own unique fun challenge. <laughs> We have some questions today, many questions yes. that you guys sent in. So who wants to go first? Uh, we were kind of talking about this early before we started recording, but I do want to ask this one that uh, came from Billion Little Pieces on Tumblr. Are there any deleted scenes that didn't make the cut? So I know the answer to this from the editing standpoint, but I'm curious about the writing standpoint, were there any scenes that you wrote that didn't make it into the script? Would you want to say the editing um, answer first, Rach, and then we can jump into the pre-production answer? Sure. That feels a little self-indulgent, but I will do that. Do it, <laughs> just, Rach. Just go. I, I'm a self-indulgent person. <laughs> um, so from an editing standpoint, no, there were not any deleted scenes at all. The um... <laughs> Question asked and answered. <laughs> I, I will say um, the closest thing to a deleted scene I think that we had was the original version of the script had a lot more lines for Gwen uh, in episode one at the very beginning when she's coming down on the spaceship and when she reaches the planet. But it was just one of those things where it was like, it seemed like a reasonable amount of time in the script. But once we were editing it, it was like, wow, this is a lot of just Gwen talking to herself. (laughs) A lot of wow, a snake. <laughs> so, so we did. We did cut maybe a third of that. Mm-hmm. I want to say. Yeah, you and I went over that. Like, yeah. probably like eight times trying to get it down because we wanted to get to yeah. Bell as fast as possible to Joran coming in because Joran yes. and Ashani had such good like forward momentum and chemistry as soon as they got on there. We were like, no, everyone has to get here immediately. You need to get that yes. <laughs> a little Tinkerbell sound, and then Bell being like, "Excuse me," it was it was necessary. Yes, for the writing, I don't know if there's anything we chopped completely. We did a lot of like back and forth for kind of making the the machinations happening towards the end work, 
because like just like the sort of conjunction of events that get everybody into the same place we kind of had to finagle a lot i also rewrote chapter four like oh four yeah times. yeah or episode four i rewrote that so many times <laughs> i think you kept all the beats though right like, it didn't change in structure, but, like, sometimes it was recordings and sometimes it was Mikhail and Belle actually talking. Right. Initially, Mikhail and Belle's back-and-forth conversation was just Mikhail reading out logs, but it was kind of, like, it killed the momentum. So, yeah, I think it was much better the way that it turned out. But yeah, there was a lot of churn on that one. But we, I feel like we kept most of your content once it existed. You just re-scrubbed it, like, eight times. But I love how it turned out. Episode four is one of my favorites. Oh, yeah, I Mine love too. episode four, too. There's one uh, detail from, like, really early on when we were recording that I remember. And it's that, like, the... the I remember we had to re-record stuff because it hadn't actually, like, been worked out, like, how Gwen's planet worked. Like, there was, there was like, things about, like, sunrises and sunsets, and there was other, like, like lines about that, like, really early on, I remember. And I, I just remember, I remember it being really interesting because, like, the scripts, like, sort of wove together, like, right before we would, like, record them. Like, you could kind of see the, like, every, I don't know. I would, I would read through stuff, like, over and over again just to, like, you know, because we'll have to record it eventually. Um, and, and seeing, like, some of the stuff where, like, getting closer to, like, recording it, like, the edits that come in. Um, it, it's just, like, a, it's, it's really interesting to, like have that insight but like i don't think i don't remember i don't think there was any like totally there were like lines here and there that would be cut or like reworded cut lots of little like trims and adjustments but no like full scenes that well i did exist what i outside. always do whenever i i write anything which is i control find all the times i use <laughs> fuck and take oh out God. some because there's always too many <laughs> <laughs> yep yep it's an important one i used to have to do that i i, I think it comes from years of writing homestuck dialogue it's, it's way I, better to do that before recording though yeah i feel like yeah. that's that's like i feel like that's like mark twain said that at some point was like when you're writing make sure to go back and take out some of the fucks because you'll probably <laughs> put in all. too many you needs you need some of I, those I mean, all of those are valuable, but... I, I feel like, Rachel, in post-production, I feel like you added some fucks back in. I remember at least one, like, <laughs> when, when Belle's, like, doing something and not really talking, you added in a couple fucks that were just actually Joran during the recording. I, did, I don't remember adding a fuck. <laughs> I did, I did... There was one where I was like, no, that one was just Joran. That's not Belle thing. And actually, in episode four, there's a moment where I wanted... I realized I wanted to have a longer pause before... Uh, bell switches from uh, Mikhail to Gwen, and yeah, I, I was a shit though, not a, a fuck. Shit? Okay, okay, very important. No. I'm word. so glad you added back in my profanity. <laughs> it was a good moment. I liked it. I think it was a shit from episode two. Um, <laughs> Time traveling. <when. laughs> that's yeah. a good. That's good information. It's valuable. <laughs> okay, how about we do an actor question now? Yeah. How about? I like, uh, how would all the actors describe each other's characters? I like that one. Who said that? Uh, for the VAs. Okay, this is Belle Summers. Oh, Belle Summers on hey. Tumblr, I imagine. Yep. That's a good URL. <laughs> Why are you me? I'm me. <laughs> that's a, yeah, that's a Belle thing to say. Belle Summers has to, Belle gets on Tumblr and has to be Belle Summers 1. <laughs> 
summer 69. Oh, God. Nice. nice. Yeah, I like for the VAs, how would you describe each other's characters? Do you want to go first, Deshaun? I think Matthew should go first. Yeah, that sounds yeah. fun. Come on, Matthew. Oh, no. I'm, I'm woefully behind in listening to the show. <laughs> uh, so I'm just going to go with a blanket answer of very far away. Mikhail <laughs> <laughs> doesn't know what's going on, okay? Mikhail is underwater. Let's be yeah, he doesn't uh, know. <laughs> No, I'm 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 terrible. I'm I am behind on the other podcast that I'm on. I'm behind on the podcast that I chose to listen to voluntarily. I'll blame I'll blame COVID because I'm not commuting anymore, so yeah. I don't have my usual listening yeah. time. That's um, I hear that a lot. I will say. Uh, I, I will say I would describe all of the other actors as absolutely lovely and a thrill to work with. <laughs> Uh, but I, I can't say much about who you're actually playing. <laughs> Except for these brief moments of Mikhail interaction, where there tends to be a lot of yeah. shouting. Yeah, far away is a, a very objectively correct... It's so accurate. It's a yeah. valid answer. Like, no one can argue with that, so... Yeah, it's very true. I mean, uh, yeah. Com com compared to Mikhail, everyone is much drier. <laughs> Poor Mikhail. Yeah. He suffers. Far away and dry. I don't think Mikhail minds, but, well, that's not a here. <laughs> well, initially he did hate water, but I think mm. he's probably reevaluated it. I think so. I don't think you can date a fish if you hate water. Suffering for love. Maybe there's a mudskipper variant. Maybe it's just down to annoyance now. That's true. <laughs> we can only hope. All right, Ashani, what about you? Ooh, okay, the running down the list, and I'm gonna end with Belle, because I feel like that's probably the one there's most to say about. Um, but I would say, I would say that Amelia is a person who's <laughs> frustrating, but also very sympathetic in that I understand why she is the way she is. And also I kind of want to shake her a little bit, be like, <laughs> Your priorities, girl. Like, mm, I don't know about that. Yeah. But I'm very happy that she finds her way to a criminal underworld where she can live her best life. Um, <laughs> it's right, and I'm glad yeah. for her. I think Mikhail is very sweet, very earnest, in over his head in so many ways. And I'm also just like, I, you need a care package. It's sad. I feel sad for Mikhail. I'm glad he's with... <laughs> drift but i'm also just like i want to give you like a little mini vacay somewhere sunny and dry and warm because ooh that's a long time on a planet that's ocean go fund me for uh mikhail yeah, to visit right? the desert but i think like earnestness <laughs> yes. is mikhail's biggest characteristic right like he's very sincere about everything that he says and does even when those decisions may seem a little weird to a third party. Uh, Herschel is the worst. <laughs> Full stop. Um, Johnny's not even here to defend himself. And I would say it to his face. Sorry, Johnny. Um, Johnny is wonderful, but Herschel is the worst. And then, oh man, Belle is so interesting because, and it's hard not to be like, oh, this is how Gwen thinks of Belle. 
because that's how I think of Belle is like, here's this person who didn't have to care as much as they do and could just be phoning in their job. But even when they're annoyed and even when they're really frustrated, just cares so much about doing well. Even when they don't like Gwen right at the beginning, they're apologizing for not remembering that her planet doesn't get sunrises and they're telling her that she should watch the sunrise. And there's this really strong core of sincerity underneath all of the sarcasm and the pile of wrenches and the frustration (laughs) with the broken tea kettle that is really, really sweet and really, really lovely. And that's, that's Belle. That's beautiful, Ashani. That's Belle. That's a good answer. I do want to say before we, I know we've already on the question two and it's Doran's turn, but just, uh, first of all, in the, on the desert vacation, I was picturing drift in like a bathtub, like, <laughs> like <laughs> Aww. and there was another bit when we were recording episode, uh, seven at the end, when, uh, Amelia comes on and gives her like villainous monologue. I like that has been arrested. Ha ha ha. At the very end of it, Ashani, you went, Oh, I don't like her. <laughs> and <laughs> I just loved it. I just loved it. And it, it just runs through my mind now and then. <laughs> when I meet someone yeah. that I don't like. <laughs> With like full credit to Aisha for doing such a good job of making me have that reaction. But also, yes. Yeah. Yes. But I think, yeah, yeah things, things evolved a little bit, and you got to know uh, Amelia a little better in her deal. Anyway. <laughs> Being unlikable is a skill. Okay, so I, I think I'm going to go down, like, the same sort of order that Ashani did, but I would start with um, Demoline. Anyone who's on a space station and collects, like, physical books, like, they've, there's, <laughs> there's got to be just some, like, um, majestic quality to that. <laughs> That Powerful. just like when everything is just like gray blocks and white, you know, whatever, like Greebles. Yeah. Sci fi architecture. Like just go into some like old lady's room and she's just got these stacks of books. Like that's got to look like magic when you're in however far in the future this is. Amelia is just doing her job. Like, <laughs> I. Like, I totally understand, like, uh, if you come from uh, some kind of successful background, you do want to show that you can prove yourself and be whatever kind of girl boss you want to, I don't know. But... <laughs> yeah. Amelia's definitely the classic girl girl boss gatekeep yeah, guest. Like, yeah. It's true. But like Ashani said, it is it is good. It it's always good for everyone to have a, a route out and to um, you know, illicit uh, trades and piracy and all that criminality. Yeah. yeah, it's a good good use of skills for for people who have the smarts for it. You know, outrunning cops. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, who else? Herschel. He's also just doing his job. I don't know, but his job is he's a cop. But um, yeah, quit your job. <laughs> uh, as far as far as the scouts go, I think the the interesting thing from from my point of view, and I guess also from Bell's point of view, is like everything about their decision making is in the context of like one, it's like like odds are a suicide mission, and two, 
prestigious. It's like an incredibly prestigious suicide. Like you've gone through <laughs> all of like NASA times 10 training to like learn how to found a colony on another planet. And the chances mm -hmm. are when you get there, you might go out. And so like, I just imagine all of the scouts, like their mindset when they get on that planet is sort of just like, well, how am I gonna go out? And I think for Mikhail, like if you already know that there's like no way like settlements are gonna happen on your planet that are gonna be like like worthwhile to the ecosystem that's there just think you already have the thought of like well i'm already on my way out i'm gonna see what these fish people are up to like that's great <laughs> that's awesome that's probably you know a fantasy a lot of people have is just wind up on a planet with fish people and just like live out the rest <laughs> of your life um <laughs> a lot of people, you think? Or, or... Cute characters you've played. Uh, I feel like. Maybe a lot of people who listen. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> Only so one of them is into that's fish. Fair. That's fair. Enough for people to write scripts about it. If we're broadening it to all animals. <laughs> Would Sir Damien be into fish? Oh. Discuss. Mm. I think, no, sir, I don't think so. Under I think the that'd right be circumstances. Because, <laughs> well, because. Saint Damien's thing is water, and I think if he got a little freaky in the water, that might that be a little weird. Oh, oh. is that sacrilege? I, it might be. Although maybe you've got we'd get like a flea bag thing going on, and you have like a, I don't, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Sacrilege can be sexy. <laughs> I don't know. He he is dating the Lord of the Swamp. Swamps are full of water. I guess it also depends on like if yeah. this religion is sort of if it's a very like. Uh, sort of chaste religion, or if it's like, oh, that's true. You know, if it's oh, more, if it's I, a little Damien. bit more like, a little bit more. Like, hey, hey, you know what? <laughs> I, I, f I feel like it's not a question of the nature of the religion and more of the nature of Damien. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure yeah, it's quite chaste. <laughs> I'm sure the fan base would disagree with me <laughs> vehemently, but I feel like Damien's pretty chaste, <laughs> generally speaking. <laughs> and, and when something comes up to to stimulate the imagination, he, he goes into a, a fit. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't know what to do with it. It's the oh, imagination, yeah. huh? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> moving on. <laughs> Please, yeah. add one more character. Important yeah. one, yeah. It's the big one. So, so Gwen, like, also, like, from Belle's point of view of having been through the whole death wish thing and barely surviving, um... Like, I can totally see how Gwen, as someone who touches down, has this in her mind that this is, you know, the most prestigious death wish mission you could go on. Um, that she has, like, you know, she she's just, like, talking to herself, and she's just, like, joking with herself, and nothing serious. She's nonchalant about everything. She's going with the flow, not setting anything up, like, with via you know the plans given or anything uh found ways to turn off stuff in this ship in the computer that like she wasn't supposed to and i think like initially like bell having this reaction uh i feel like they would want to keep up with gwen more inherently because the sense is like do you not understand what you're like getting into like do you know what could happen if you yeah if you just fuck around and um, I think the fact that everyone else seems to be at a disadvantage, like in in the the scouts that Bell has uh, access to, and I think over time, the fact that Gwen's planet is 
the most likely to be colonized, I think also puts that pressure on Bell of like, oh my god, like that like this I I can't I can't just phone this in. I have to care about this person. And I think like once once Bell is brought out of like that shell, um like Gwen is basically uh the perfect foil for Bell's caring too much. Because Gwen's like I don't care about anything happening right now sort of like mentality subverts that but also ends up being just as if not more effective than whatever bell's going got going on like in their thought process and i think like over the course of like playing these characters um i totally started to um like actually get the chemistry like it 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 went from like the tumblr sense of you can see two characters doing anything and you and you're like oh just kiss to like talking to a normie in a movie theater when like a couple are close and it's like okay yeah just kiss like that's that you know the, the vibe the vibe cleared up as it like as it progressed and um i understand like they're they're really really good foils for each other yeah also an interesting bit of like of like trivia is that the first time that Joran and Ashani ever spoke was the first time that we recorded episode one. Yeah. So they were talking to each other for the first time. And it was really like, we, we all didn't really realize that until we like sat down to do it, but it was pretty cool. Yeah. I think we said like two words to each other, like before we started recording just to like establish we were all on the call. And then we just started going. Yeah. yeah it was, yeah, it was pretty cool very much like a nice to meet you because we had like an introductory yeah. technical difficulty so we ended up having two one that ashani went to and then one that joran went to i think mm-hmm. we're like yeah, yeah. the, crew the, met the reason i missed that meeting is i had to like fix somebody else's studio fuck up i don't want to get into it <laughs> but it was it was one of those things where something was messed up and no one was taking care of it and i had to go and fix it and like, but that's very Val. Yeah, that's the that's the thing that that's the thing that was funny about that character is like I didn't realize like once I got all the scripts and I like read through this character like there there were days where like I I would have to like rush to like climb up into the ceiling to fix a leak to like make sure I was like ready before but to make sure like that wasn't happening before recording and then like this the, is extremely Bell thing yeah, yeah. It, it, I don't know I I just really I just really vibed with this character through 2020. I was going to say, which kind of also happened with Matthew, too, because we get letters from Mikhail before we actually hear him. That's right. And I remember sitting there in a recording mm. session going, I have to read this letter, and I don't know what Mikhail is going to sound like because I've never met Matthew, <laughs> and I haven't heard him talk. And so I think I asked, I was like, okay, can you tell me something about what this person sounds like so that I can indicate that Gwen is reading a letter from somebody she's heard talk before, despite not ever having heard him talk before. And I think the the description I got was, Matthew enunciates really well. And I was like, okay, <laughs> that's what I've got to go on. It's my defining trait. You do. And then I heard you and I was like, oh, yeah, they were right. We were all, like, the time, the first time that Matthew recorded with us, we were completely blown away. Yeah. yeah. We were like, holy shit. <laughs> he just, like, flew in and, like, just killed it. It was yeah. amazing. That was fun. <laughs> the stuff with Matthew yep, yep. has been fun. 
the Aww, stuff with yeah. the stuff with Johnny was too. Like yes, that, I was. <laughs> mad arguments and stuff, and that that's great. I think it was Johnny who said the thing, like, because there was the line where he says, like, I'm just doing my job, and I think yeah. it was Johnny who said the truly the most morally defensible position. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's funny that you mentioned the, the letters, because I remember, I think, Aisha, you and I were messaging back and forth about this, uh, where we'd talked about that, where there was an episode with a bunch of letters, and, and the, the character hadn't appeared yet, and we were talking about, well, do you want me to make a recording of the letters? Um, mm. So Ishani has something to reference, and then we just ended up not <laughs> doing it. For and then it was, oh yeah, he enunciates <laughs> yeah. well. That happens. You're able to encapsulate that entire delivery with the word enunciate. <laughs> so, <laughs> and here we are. Yeah, I think that's just one of the things that I was like, oh yeah, we should, and then we just didn't because because yeah. I, I am terrible at keeping things in order and there was a pandemic i feel like that's a really important factor here yeah there was also a pandemic yeah producing is hard yeah, gotta keep that in mind we did do this all across the pandemic yeah the world definitely felt like it was ending mm -hmm. the, this whole time yeah mm -hmm. there was so much that was deeply recontextualized when uh because it was like we did start right as the pandemic started uh, but so like yeah, we, this we had is the like a show already. about isolation yeah. yes and yeah, so it was that's... getting through <laughs> so many moments where yeah. it's like oh damn this hits different because yeah. we worked yeah. the whole thing practically the whole thing before any of the pandemic stuff happened and then we recorded almost the whole thing yeah. and released it in the pandemic and it was just we kept hitting mm. lines and being like yeah. oh people are gonna think we wrote this because oh. 2020 but we wrote this in 2019 i feel like Every podcaster that I know was like, I was scooped by the pandemic. Cause I know there was like, I know like Magnus Archives season five is like, the world has ended. <laughs> it's yeah. like, oh no. <laughs> this is heavy for this time. Uh, but I, I mean, I guess I could do like what my, what I feel about the characters. Yeah. I guess this is like a combination like voice oh, actor yeah. writer <laughs> answer. Yeah. Um, yeah. Gwen is depressed, <laughs> but I don't think that she knows she's depressed. Yeah, that's so fair. Also, like writing, writing, a, like writing for a podcast as opposed to writing for something with prose is we have to keep we have to take the character's word for everything we hear. Mm. So. Like, getting across that Gwen is, like, not doing as well as she is projecting was kind of interesting. Um, mm. And I guess, like, the letters to uh, Peter helped with that. But I feel like even with him, even with, like, her dead friend, she still is like, I'm doing great. Yep. So, like, I think that Ashani did such a good job, like, kind of portraying someone who is insisting that they're doing great, but they're not. I described it once as uh, Gwen's patented false cheeriness, TM. Yeah. Yeah. Deeply in denial and okay with it. <laughs> yeah, I'm loving it. Yeah. But that's why I say, like, all of this, all of this is sort of, like, in the context of, like, this is basically almost suicide for, for them. Yeah, so, like, it it all kind of exists within that like really depressive like bleak context. So like, yeah, jokey depressive that fucking works. Right, it's <laughs> yeah. capitalism, man. Yeah, y'all killed it. <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, with with Bell, I just I I love Bell 
And I, I know that Emily and I, like, the one thing that we disagreed on the most when we wrote, I think, was Belle's characterization. <laughs> because mm. I always want to make, I think I always want to make everybody worse. <laughs> um, <laughs> what does that mean? Ooh, what? What does that, that mean? Yeah. I just, I mean, like, I don't always want everybody to be morally righteous. Yeah. And I mean, not that, like, Emily does, but, like, I always, like, make I think I made Belle, like, a little too nasty like you sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Emily would be like, I don't know if Belle would say this. And I was like, you're probably right. <laughs> um, but I, I don't know. Like, I was, like, very, like, serious about wanting to make sure that we portrayed that Belle has their own set of they have their own sense of morality. And that kind of can blind them to every else because I think sometimes part of being a good person is being willing to bend your own code yeah. when it's necessary and I think that Belle really can't do that or it really doesn't come naturally to them because they're a very very like resourceful person who's been through a lot so they believe that they know how to do it and, and this I think is like the main problem that Amelia had with them because, like, it's really hard to manage that type of person. <laughs> um, even if Belle is usually... Like, my favorite thing that I have said to, to constantly to people who've worked for me, you're right, but you shouldn't say it. <laughs> like... <laughs> and, right speech. I feel, and I also yeah. feel like that's something that Belle and Gwen have in common a little bit. Mm-hmm. With Mikhail... Um, so... There's, like, kind of a chicken-and-the-egg scenario with casting Matthew <laughs> as, an, as another f fucking reptile fucker. <laughs> like, I didn't... Okay, nobody will believe me, but I didn't do it on purpose. I swear to God. Because, like... Emily and I met working on doing some story development for The Strange Case of Starship Iris. And there was a character in season two that ended up getting cut that I wanted Matthew to play. Oh. Because I thought he would be perfect. Oh, Elliot? He's not, it's not, he's, oh. yes, oh, Elias. Oh, Matthew, you've been amazing. Who okay. I would have, if, yeah, if Elias had made it in, I would have had to change his name because he was a librarian, and there's a librarian oh. in the Magnus Archives called Elias. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but he got cut, so I was like, I really want Matthew to be in my show because I love Matthew's voice. So I was, like, thinking about him when I was writing Mikhail, and then I ended up being like, oh, yeah, Mikhail should have a relationship with a fish. And then after I wrote it, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I so maybe it was a little bit of a subconscious influence yeah it might have been and for people who have not seen the scene listen to the penumbra podcast matthew plays a character in that who is in love with a large lizard man yeah yep. and so, shout out to wally yeah. girl on tumblr for making that meme which is yes. so delightful yeah. still i see i have that characters saved. played yes. by matthew zonziger yep oh someone's gonna have to send that to I'm, me i didn't see i am that. doing that oh, oh shit. happily happily okay. right now it, it's funny um so the the first interaction i had with aisha was through twitter 
she told me that she had listened to uh, a Damien monologue in an episode and in doing so walked into a tree. <laughs> yeah. Easily, it can happen to you. Easily one of the nicest things anyone's ever said to me. Uh, <laughs> it's a really good compliment. It's a really good compliment. But the, the I f- literally did, guys. <laughs> I literally walked into a tree. <laughs> the funny thing is, though, you know, so we've got this now overlap between Damien and Mikhail. I also read for the lizard guy. Oh. And it was a completely different... T- I think they actually put my audition up as a, a Patreon benefit at some point uh, just for cool. laughs. I had no idea what the direction the character was going to go in, didn't realize it was supposed to be a romantic interest, and I went full lizard monster with hissing and spitting at the mic and everything. And it's like, I could, I have so many bizarre voices, and now I just keep playing animal fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> That's the dream. Sweet, You're innocent like, little I, animal like, fuckers, and I don't, yeah, I don't know how to feel about that. The, always the bridesmaid, never the bride. Oh, boy. <laughs> Always the bride, I think. Bride several times over. I would distinguish they're not animals. They are people. They just happen to have animal features. Yeah, they are sentient yes. beings. They're We've discussed this. The Jack Harkness cast. Everyone's I think, okay. The past the Jack I think, Harkness. I, I think Belle and Gwen even discussed yeah, this, don't they? there's definitely something about, like, oh, yes. over the age of consent and is consenting and may also still be a fish. Yeah, and Gwen is like, I'm not trying to, like, write a call-out post. I just yeah. want to know if I should give him a high five. <laughs> yes, a great part. <laughs> I, I wanted to bring up on, on Belle's characterization being the thing that we kind of churn the most on. One of the ways that churning really helped me understand what we were doing was Belle was, like, you would be like, Emily, they can't just be nice. They can't just be good. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, you're so right. Why do I really want this like intensity of direction, what, what am I doing? Because everything you're saying is correct. And I think what I figured out what it was, and we had a long chat on Discord about this, was um, Bell's caring and Bell's, the way they save people and they work and they get their settlers and they help the station, it's self-destructive. It's also their biggest flaw, right? Is that they're constantly destroying themselves and working themselves into the ground to save other people. And so the arc that they have to go on from the beginning of the end of the series is figuring out that 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 goodness is also, you know, destructive and bad something to work on and say, oh, no, no, sometimes I get to be, I also get to fight for me, right? And use that strength in other directions. And it was really interesting to look at that kind of feature as the thing that makes them really appealing and really heroic in a lot of ways and wonderful and you know, someone to, to fall in love with, but also be something that's, that's actively destroying them and would destroy them if it kind of is allowed to go without challenge. And that was just a really fun kind of, like, double-sided coin to play with. Um, anyway, I love them a lot. Yeah, they're good. Um, but yeah. I love how the character's written. Like, whatever, all those opposing forces that you guys are throwing at each other worked out fantastic. Like, I that Bella's really fun to play. Like... It just it just felt like a like a like a I don't know the the natural like swing of their like um, moodiness to like um, intensely analytical to like slipping up and then caring a little bit like I I don't know there's there's like a weird like emotional dance that Bell does and it's yeah. it's really fun to play I feel like 
I could write a whole book about Belle. Like, <laughs> like I feel like that there's like so much to Belle. Not that there's not to like, I, I could probably write a book about any of these characters, honestly. Like Gwen obviously has lots of things that you could write about and Mikhail's big moon adventure. <laughs> Well, there was. Mikhail can have their own spinoff, his own spinoff. Yeah, like. yeah you, you mentioned that, and I was like, ooh, that sounds cool. Like, yeah, a water like, spinoff. At some point during, during recording. Oh, yeah, or like, an Amelia we, spinoff you, you, as a pirate. Yeah, the space <laughs> yep, pirate, yep. like, monster a day spinoff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was, there was a question in here that was like, would you ever think of considering and doing other seasons? And I was like, that was the only thing I could think of when we were talking about stuff, is like, what if there was a space pirate spinoff podcast? <laughs> Hell, yes. <laughs> well, you never know. They drift off or... the planet in the bathtub, and they all go around in the spaceship together. Yeah. They can meet um, Elias and... And Matthew, Matthew can talk to himself. <gasps> yeah, well, <laughs> yes. well, Matthew does a lot of really oh, good voices, so exactly. And I also like for for Belle. I love Belle's character, but I also specifically love how you play them, Joran. Because like when we were Thank casting you. you, right? We we talked about it. Aisha and I. We've been like, oh man, we should ask a Shawnee to play Gwen. That would be so cool. And we did, and Shawnee said yes, and it was very exciting. And then we're like, so who's gonna play Belle? We could do auditions. And Aisha was like, wait. I have this friend. Let me see if they would be interested. And then you sent us a tape of you doing like six different voices. I think it was my demo reel. I had to ask Aisha and be like, is this the same person? Yeah. Yeah. This is the same person doing all of these? Oh my God, right? And I was like, they're clearly very talented. And I don't know, would they be able to do the bell I have in my head? I don't know. But like, I trust Aisha. And, you know, she's very, very smart. Okay, okay, right. And we'd sent you the... Um, scripts and you read through those and we met up and as we met up to kind of talk through who we wanted Belle to be you said something like okay so I read all your scripts and I loved it and I I had this voice in my head that was really clear though when I was reading can I just try that before we go through what you guys want me to try you were like sure and then you did it and Belle just came out I fell out of my chair I was like oh oh, this is gonna be good this is gonna be fine yeah no that's the voice great okay and it was just that was it was such a magic they, moment they were just an archetype that i just kind of recognized i don't know i don't know like what in particular like there's like i do i do writing and i've i've done like podcasts and like audio plays and stuff of my own um and and like i start to recognize like there's different kinds of like archetypical like veins that characters go down and i sort of just like i don't know the I was able to, like, latch on to, like, what Belle was pretty clearly from just, like, the first few scripts. Um, and I think, I don't know, it's just, it's one of those things where this, you can tell it's a really complex character, but, like, you can tell that, like, without much impression. Like, you don't have to get a lot of complex info to, like, understand that this is a complex character and, like, complex in what ways. And I, I don't know, it, it just, it just... Like, I thought, because the thing is, I didn't really, I was reading, there's another question in here that's like, was there any, like, improvisation? Um, and for me, honestly, no. Like, there were a few sentences where we, like, would rearrange words and stuff, but all all of, like, my delivery, I was kind of just, like, just going off of what was written and how it just sounded to me. Um, and I'm glad, yeah. I'm, I'm... I'm glad that like our expectations like met up in in that way because then it it ended up being like, um, I don't want to say like totally not challenging, but it it ended up being like way more fun than like um, 
I would expect, you know, sitting down for like recording sessions, hours, yeah. and hours, hours and hours of doing. Um, that like that character gels really well. the The character dynamics between uh, Gwen and Belle, and and like toward the end of like Amelia and Belle, were like that. The Amelia and Belle stuff was like funny. It was really fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I. I mean, my favorite part of the whole show is a bad is a a bad deal like episode eight and it's like partly because i'm in it but also it's the time that all four of us are talking at the same time Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. i love matthew like calling in and being like wow yeah (laughs) i'll go get dressed like just mikhail's like okay uh it's like when you like you know just glance at your phone um just to like check and then some like shit is happening and you're like i need to get out of bed and make coffee for this yeah like <laughs> this is a discussion that requires pants yeah, yeah exactly and like <laughs> um the unceremonious like oh okay bye like at the end of that Michael uh, has, nice meeting you like that's yeah. the last you hear from him speaking like, the of whole time. you know i could like and we did kind of like that technically answers a que- you know a question from uh my music is here tumblr who asked about the improvising? That moment where uh, I should, or, or where Amelia says, "Mikhail, I'm hanging up on you," and uh, and Mikhail goes, "It was nice to meet you." Was kind of kind of improvised. Yeah, I feel like in the moment we realized in the moment that that Mikhail doesn't have a sign off; he just disappears. And then it was like, "Well, wait, we need to like make it clear that he's not on this call anymore." And so we came up with that like in the moment and that was maybe my favorite moment in recording i laughed so hard <laughs> it's a good it one. was really good one more thing about the improvising was when gwen has a line in episode um two i think where bell is late uh and then but when bell finally does sign on she admonishes them like you know you've you've made your life up to be you know as boring as unbuttered white rice and oh, yes. and then in the uh, just <laughs> Joran just kind of mutters like, "Who puts butter on rice?" Oh my god! Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I that was not in the script. That was that was one of the few lines that um yeah one of the few improvised lines that I was like, oh, "That's good." I'm adding I that. I forgot in. about that. Who does put <laughs> butter on rice? I think Aisha. I think you put that in like the comments of like the script or somebody mm-hmm. did. Did I? I I remember reading is it this... in the comments and I think I was like looking at it like when I said that because I also Is I this just a re- white people thing? No, it's a brown person yeah, was, thing. Oh. like I think Ishani, I saw on your Tumblr that somebody asked about the buttered rice and you like wrote them a, a very a small essay about like the the virtues of butter on rice. Hmm. Yeah. Butter on rice is mm-hmm, amazing. Mm-hmm. I guess uh-huh. I just like I mostly just like eat sticky rice, which I guess you do not put butter on. Mm. Apparently, there's sure. a part of Japan where they do butter and soy sauce on sticky rice. Oh, and it's like a regional dish. I, but yeah, no, I was thinking delicious. about hmm. it like, like, like more like a basmati butter. rice. I feel like would be yeah, like you put ghee on rice all the yeah, time. Yeah, that makes sense. I guess yeah. All right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I, uh, Proceed. I rest my case. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But right. I just love that. You, you won this round, buttered rice, yeah. rice butters. <laughs> um, yeah, so Aisha, bedtime stories. There were a lot of questions. Yeah, there was a lot of questions. Yeah, one different. is the one that you didn't complete. Several people want to know what the ending is. Mm. Um, and then also they wanted to know why we did them and how we did them and why which ones went with which episode. Um, 
Well, the one that I didn't complete, actually, it does have an ending because all of these are based on things that I had written before, like things that I had lying around. And yeah, so I could tell you the ending right now. In that one, he goes to the witch and he's like, can you help me? I'm cursed. The curse is that it rains every year on my birthday. And basically the witch is like, oh, well, you know, I could give you a big epic quest to go on. And, you know, it would be really harrowing and, and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, you could do it, whatever. Or you could just be like, I'll get an umbrella for my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> of all the terrible curses, this is not that terrible. And he was like, you know what? You're right. <laughs> That's beautiful. And he did not go on an epic quest. He just went home. That's <laughs> wow. kind of amazing. Hey, stay inside on your birthday. Yep. Fuck. Yeah. Yep. There you go. What a good lesson. One of my friends who was reading through all the scripts as we wrote them as sort of a beta was, uh, they wrote me after one. They're like, oh, oh, I see on, you know, they were on episode, you know, four or five or so partway through being like, oh, yeah, I noticed how all the stories are about lovers who are separated by distance. And I went, what? Are they? <laughs> I guess that works. <laughs> are they? I guess you're right. They kind of are. The first one's like the yeah. comet and the visitor, and then you've got the, the two girls on the river, and then the sort of like little mermaid one. You could breathe the moon in the ocean. Yeah. A lot of them are meditations on like connection. I think one of mine is an, an, love, is an incestuous but... creation myth. <laughs> that, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> but you know. But also about love. It is about love. You're right. Yeah. In all its forms. Yeah. <laughs> and that one's. That myth's from your game, right? Yeah, that's right? from my, uh, that's the creation myth of the game that I'm making, yes. The Sky Left Ooh. Us. Everyone should go check out The Sky Left Us. Um, yeah, and the, actually the first short, the first bedtime story, the one that Gwen starts in episode one with the... The cosmonaut. The, yeah, the cosmonaut, the space station, and the, the comment, that was actually written before Belle existed. Wow. Because in the original version of this podcast, it was just Gwen. Belle wasn't a character. It was just Gwen and Boots on the planet, like, trying not to go crazy for five years. Yeah. And that was the entire plot line when I first read it. By the time I reached out to Aisha, Belle existed. But I'd written that whole first, um, that pilot, actually, without Belle in there. That all got adapted later to be conversation. Originally, Ashani would have had to monologue the entire <laughs> series, but also the entire first episode. There's also a lot of questions that are like, how did you guys come up with the story? And when you came to me and pitched it, the story was pretty well developed already. Like I came on when the story had already been pretty developed. I feel like that what I contributed was the story kind of focusing towards the end. Like mm -hmm. yeah. there being like a like a a specific like mystery to solve. Yeah, mm. I had the the world, the setting, like the idea of the settlers in this like capitalist dystopia. Which it's really amusing to me in the first couple of episodes. People get kind of oh, what a utopic. No, guys, this is a straight up dystopia. Everyone should be very concerned. Yeah. Um, it gets clearer towards the end. For you to really think through the implication of this thing that they've signed up for. Especially because right? like Gwen speaks so. Um, Gwen's chipper. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Having a yeah. good time, yeah. everyone. Um, and you don't know that Peter's dead. It's an adventure story. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. That's, it starts yep. as an adventure story. Yeah. And they do, they, they can have some adventures. But That's yeah, true. right? So they. 
I had the setting. I had I knew Gwen and Bell. I knew Bell's backstory. Um, I didn't know what had happened to Bell's planet. I knew something had. I didn't know if it was the settlement office's fault or if it wasn't or what we wanted to do there. And also, I knew Priyanka and Mikhail existed, but I didn't know either of their stories. Yeah. So, Aisha, you did a bunch of the end plot with episodes, what turned out to be episodes seven and mm-hmm. eight. You also, almost all of Mikhail mm-hmm. is you. You you embedded almost all of that wholesale, and it's it's beautiful, and it underpins everything else really well, and gives us a lot of mid season momentum. And then you're also really really good at both banter, matching existing banter, and world details. Yeah, because I had the structure, but you pull out a lot of things like Euphoria's station's name and like mm. yeah. building all there of that. There is a lot of specific like. There's like also yeah together I think I think we're a really good team because uh, I do a lot of like I do a lot of kind of like rhythmic quipping um, I say uh, knowing that that sounds terrible but I don't know <laughs> but you do you have really good um, conversational yeah. rhythm. And you do really good voice. But then you are so, like, I would, like, write something and then put in parentheses, Emily, put something smart here. Because I don't know anything. Like yeah, there I, were a couple of points where we would get to recording and it would be like, uh, there's still just a blank spot yeah. that says put something not, smart. Not very many, in fairness. Not very many. But, I don't know uh, any, the, I don't fucking... Emily needs to go research some, uh, you know, yeah. neurochemistry. She'll be back later. I don't know anything and I refuse to learn. <laughs> and you know what? You're valid. <laughs> yes, you are. The big one was episode six, uh, bed- Belle's bedtime story, like, was not there at all. Oh, yeah, Belle's bedtime story I wrote, like, like a month before we launched, I think. Yeah, that was, <laughs> like, yeah, was late. close. I was like, I don't know what it is. Yeah. And then I actually contradict myself about yeah. what their family setup was like, and I was like, oh, shit, no, they don't. We'll take that line out. Yeah, just so, try to yeah, take out their parentage work. Because, like, yeah. Um, <laughs> But I, I, yeah, yeah, that, that's kind of how we did. There was a lot of seat of pantsing yeah. on this podcast, which I mm-hmm. think works well for a podcast about Gwen Hartley. Yeah. yeah. If you don't seats of pants a little bit for Gwen, I don't think it's really, yeah. a, you know, her podcast. Actually, oh, I, I, Rachel, have a question, if you don't mind me asking, um, because you were talking about naming things. And I was wondering where the term scout minder came from. It seems to me like a very sort of quaint term yeah we need something to differentiate between the scout and whatever the thing was that bell was doing yeah while not making it something where they were gwen's yeah. boss we didn't want bell to have any power yeah right? i don't bell can't have power the here. thing that i like about it is it's very it's almost twee and i think yeah. that that's like a thing that corporations yeah. do to make things more palatable mm. um so i liked it Otherwise, I would have knocked down Twee because I hate Twee. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but it, it works with the way the settlement office likes to build Yes, this. I agree. Oh, you're going to go off and make a planet and this is your right. emotional support friend. Or just like friend. the fact that this rickety falling down station is called Euphoria Station. Just like stuff like that. And mm-hmm. I mean, I, I was very inspired by like partly the world building from the Penumbra podcast. I think that... Uh, Kevin Vibert's like cyberpunk world is really well in like well built. Kevin's a really and good apparent, writer. 
because of that shout out to Hyperion. It's, it's, yeah. it's, yeah, I, mean, I, do, I did, I did, slid there into was a moment world. where, yeah, it was like, now we could have a crossover episode, yeah. um, <laughs> with Juno Steel. Yeah. Um, there's a moment where Belle says that they spent a couple nights in jail for a drug charge in Hyperion City. I guess also we had been working on Starship Iris, so we were already in space mode. So <laughs> yeah. I kind of, like, yep. took some stuff that had kind of, like, not, nothing really, like, that got cut from Iris really made it into uh, this podcast. But, like, that's how we met, so we were in, like, sp- yeah. gay space mode. Um, <laughs> yep. Very gay, very space. Yeah. Very hang out with a Shawnee. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that would answer Flora Gray Steele's question, which was basically like, why space? Why space? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> why space? Yeah, why yeah. not? Yeah, because space rules. Space. And also, it's uh, it was a fun place to take the Peter Pan myth, right? Or the Peter yeah. Pan story. Mm-hmm. Because you have all of these kind of, it's, it's a fantasy story and a children's story, but it, it talks about space, it talks about stars, it talks about travel, it talks about going to magical new worlds. And so a lot of those kind of ideas of like wonder and childhood and exploration and being able to be in a different gravity and to fly were really fun to play with. You know, and I like the name, because, you know, in, in many ways, right, Gwen's a Wendy who goes away to Neverland and never comes back. You know, and that's fun, especially like, you know, with the name Second Star Trek, she's looking the path, the way back from Neverland, right, would be Second Star to the left to take you home, which she can't ever do and does never do. And it's just a really fun to take something that's this sort of fantasy twee story and set it in this physical, actual space of how you would get there and how you would, you know be on your own in this in this place trying to to build a home which is also coming from some aspects of how people characterize wendy as the little mother and things like that just all the things that we could play with without nodding necessarily explicitly to them yeah was really fun i've forgotten which question we're answering it doesn't matter well i want to go back to the bedtime stories for a second though because you're talking about like oh you know that's part of the even that a little bit kind of comes from Peter Pan, yeah. right? Where like Wendy is taking care of the other kids. But I want to talk more. Well, I want somebody else to talk more. Cough, cough, Rachel, about the <laughs> sound design for the bedtime stories. Yeah. Because that's the sort of thing where like you record it and then you go, that's a lot of talking. <laughs> and I, I say that as somebody who doesn't really have a problem at this point with listening to my own voice, but I was still just like, that's a lot of me just talking to a robot and sometimes to <laughs> Belle, but mostly to a robot. Um, and I think the sound design for those stories made a huge difference. So the process for like how those decisions were made to kind of weave the soundscape for the bedtime stories is something I want to hear more about. So, you know, episodes one and two, I, you know, kind of found some, I was like, you know, music (laughs) seems like the thing to do to make these a little more interesting auditorially. And, you know, shout out to good old uh, Kevin McLeod putting out all that, like, really good, (laughs) like, royalty fear music. But it all came to, like, in episode three was the one... I think it just came from the fact that I was like, wow, this story is really long. And how do I make this 
how do I make this? How, how do I turn this into an audio drama? You know, and so and then it just kind of I decided I was like, okay, episode three is going to be, we're gonna just t- like disappear from the planet and we're gonna visit the places that Gwen is talking about and and it works best with episode three because it is kind of a journey that the uh, Little Mermaid goes on where like visiting different locations and uh interacting with different characters the hardest part about that one i think was like i wanted it to be a a little bit musical still because like it is mentioned it's like she can't talk but she can play instruments and you know she meets the blacksmith who also plays instruments and her sister sing to her so I, i was like okay it should still be a little bit musical um you know having i i feel like having some melody having some music is it's it's really important i think for a podcast and like having that extra layer of making things interesting to listen to because like people with great voices are wonderful to listen to um but then you know then you want like adding melody and instrumentation and i'm not someone i don't know how to really play instruments at all it's it to me it's like wizardry and i appreciate it uh, a lot and especially when I first listened to um, Joran's cut of the theme, which is still labeled experiment, which yeah. is very funny to me. Wait, <laughs> the file, um, the version, the it's file so that I worked with is labeled as uh, like second star theme experiment. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't think I think I just like played it as it was. So I don't really think there was anything because like I basically uploaded it saying like, if you want me to change anything, I can do that. And I guess I guess it worked. <laughs> it did. It worked really well. Yeah. No, I love the opening theme. Thank you. Yeah, it's really that was yeah. written, but uh, who who wrote that again? So that's a friend of mine, Adam Rubin. Um, so he wrote the theme on this little out of tune piano he got for five bucks at a yard sale, and we like recorded it on a phone. Oh my god! And then we're like, I don't know. We like this. We don't know what to do with it. But it sounds very, you know, I'd sat and been like, okay, second star, and it's kind of Peter Pan's kind of space, and he'd done this, and out, and Jordan said, oh, I can. I, you know, I have some, a little, a little experience, you know, producing music. Maybe I could, you know, make that nice little clean thing, send it back. Jordan sent it back, and it's got this beautiful, like, ambiance, and um, you had all these different, like, levels that Rachel has taken apart and, like, embedded into different parts of the podcast over different stories or different impactful moments, and... That's, uh, I just love the way all the music cool. turned out. Yeah. It, was, it was sort of just the same track um, pasted over a few. I think I think I added, like, I don't know how much I really added. I just remember that they were, like. I, I intimately am familiar with how many how many stems <laughs> because I was using them over and over again. Because I think, I think most of it was, like, I copied the main track and then I, like, ran it through, like, synth, like, pad stuff. So it would just, like, be more spacey around it. Um, yeah, you added two like pads, two synth pads, and um, in addition to like the piano going ping ping, there also was like oh, yeah, a, a more right. a synth ping. Yeah, that kind of, almost kind of sounds like a um, when you listen to it by itself, it kind of sounds like um, uh, your car telling you to put on your seatbelt. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I think what I was trying to do was like. The bedtime stories are kind of their own separate universe yeah. that is uh, yeah. that Gwen creates and then Belle begins to inhabit. And so that is kind of what I was trying to do with the sound design is make that transport 
you into this Gwen world. I really like that. I think it turned out really well. I think that that took those parts and made them their own special thing inside the podcast. And rendering that effect with audio like that, that that takes a lot of skill to like be that immersive and like dynamic. Yeah, it's very cool. I did my best. So I, I wanted to ask both cast and crew, what do you think, this is from Quantum Mind Classical Heart on Tumblr, what do you think is the first thing Gwen would want to show Belle on her planet in person? Boots. Yeah. Boots. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Definitely okay. boots. Okay, but boots would show himself. That's true. Right? That's very true. <laughs> Thank you, Ashani. I think my answer to this would be if she's got mountains on her planet or like that plateau oh, that she's driving along because yeah. here's the like in the first or second episode yeah. when she asks Belle about where they're from and Belle says Jada Landing and Gwen goes oh good mountains there and so knowing that Belle has been in space for some time I feel like she would remember that and want to go show I Bella got these for you that's so great. yeah <laughs> look I grew them myself and then the third thing Gwen would show them would be the scrap metal sword that she's been crafting yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> yes there we go yeah the old, the most awesome thing to give your girlfriend is a cool sword and important things to give Ashani's characters yes <laughs> if there is more involved in the answer other than Aisha knows people. I am curious uh, about the question, what was the casting process like? So, I mean, it is kind of Aisha knows people um, (laughs) kind of a story. (laughs) Aisha's excellent. Amazing at networking. Yeah. It is a superpower. I'm just very good at elbowing myself into DMs and being like, hello. Um, I did it. I've done it to so many people. I've, I did it to like multiple people in the Penumbra podcast. <laughs> yeah, I remember um, you saying that you thought about ha- asking Joshua Elon to be Herschel. Yes, actually, I did ask him first, but he was busy. And then I was ah. like, I will ask Johnny because I do know Johnny. Um, I, I like, I, I feel like that Joshua would do it now. Cause I know him a little bit better mm. that I could, I could, fr- I could like, you know, instead of just being like, hello, you don't know me, but, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I know. And then Emily was like, whoa, we should, we should get a Shawnee for Gwen. And I was like, yes, absolutely. Had, had, then, did you, did you know each other? Had you worked together before or were you just reaching out? Yes, Shawnee's in Starship Iris, yeah. She plays our favorite character. Oh, yes, of course, yeah. of course, yes. of course, of course. <laughs> um, but I hadn't talked to either of you at that point, because I knew you'd been brought on for Starship Iris, but, like, we hadn't actually really interacted. And I'm very glad that you asked me. Yeah. <laughs> but I was, like, not expecting it at all. We spent a lot of time listening to you being Arcady and then thinking about you being Arcady. Yeah, we spent, I spent a lot of time with your voice in my brain, if that's <laughs> not a weird thing to say. And yeah, like, like I said, with Matthew, I would like, I just really loved his performance as Damien. And I was like, I want him to be in my show. Um, so there wasn't really auditions or anything like that. It was just sort no. of. No, auditions seemed like a lot of work. And also like we'd done like, being on Starship Iris, you know, we knew enough about people working with Ashani. And I think I think at this point I've met you for one of the recording sessions, Ashani, that we knew you were a lovely person who was a treat to work with, which was also a very big, like, 
let's work as the shiny. That sounds really yeah. nice. Oh, thank you. As well as we knew it was going to be a badass performance. Yeah, and I, I knew Joran from around the internet. Yeah, tangentially passing through, like, different fandom communities. From the, the seething, strange world of Homestuck oh, yeah. is where we met. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was Don't... going to say, I seem to remember that Joran read the angry letter to... Um, from episodes yeah. uh, five before we started yes. recording. Because, yeah. I yeah. mean, the character that I had mostly heard Joran do was is, is very angry. Angry alien, yeah. Yeah, an, an angry space alien. So I was like, yeah, I think that they could do this for sure. Because they've just like, because I'm like, I know that the Carcat voice is probably not their real voice. Well, <laughs> so I'm sure they can sound normal. What was funny is like <laughs> the voice I ended up going with was, it was really similar to like something I was like rehearsing and like writing for my own stuff for like years out, like anyway. Um, and so it just, it just kind of happened to be like, I want to do something other than a Carcat fan voice. And, and that was, that was it. That was the, the opportunity. And I appreciated that. Um, so thank yeah. you yeah. for bringing me on. This this was actually my first paid like voice acting role. So I mean, oh, this, this, this that's awesome. wild cool. to me. <laughs> I I also have because you're so professional. Thank you. Wow. I um I I also I do I do have one question that I w want to pull out of this list real really quick, uh, and I can answer it on on like my interpretation, and it can go to like uh, the writers, but. Uh, Billion Little Ooh. Pieces asked, I kind of got the vibe that Bell is somewhere in the Arrow Ace area, though I might just be connecting dots. Is there any canon position on that? And I'd say my personal position is I don't think that Bell could get into the situations that they do if they didn't fuck. Then <laughs> <laughs> to prison? Then, like... On like drug charges? <laughs> they get a black eye from fucking with someone's ex. Like, I feel like, I feel like... I was, I was not ready for that. I get... <laughs> and also, but and I also, also it, agree. It's, I also agree completely. Yeah, and also, it's a love story. And I, I don't know. I feel like that's, I feel like that's pretty self-exemplary. But that's my interpretation. Amazing. Yeah. So, like, I think... I'm a big fan of whatever's on the page. People can do whatever they want with it um, and take it the way they want to go. Um, but I'm actually aromantic. And so whenever I write characters in romances, they tend to get that edge. I don't tend to write romances because I don't That's what I do was that. for. But, <laughs> yeah. but it was also like, it was kind of like a challenge to be like, okay, can I write something where people are doing um, that particular emotional dance? But also like, I'm, a, I'm an arrow person who's also married and in a very long-term happy relationship. And you can kind of do both too, right? You don't have to, things can be a love story even if you had two Ace Arrow characters. I think that's really important too. Yeah, I agree. But uh, yeah, Belle is definitely also a, a chaos gremlin. And I love them completely and I love all interpretations yeah, of Yeah, I definitely think that some of Belle and Amelia's uh, antagonism is attraction. <laughs> A little bit. There's at least one shipper on Tumblr. I saw them. I would kind of like to see an a a, a lovers uh, or enemies to lovers AU there. I think <laughs> I think there's potential. There are a couple shippers. There do seem to be. I'm I'm extremely excited to see that. There there is a moment where Amelia's tied to a chair. 
she pretends to Herschel Amelia that they were Fox. having sex. Because, <laughs> like, I thought that was, like, I was... I thought that was so funny when I came up. When I came up with that, I laughed. Um, just, like, the idea of, like, no, 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 you better hope that they thought we were having sex because the alternative is is you had me captive. Yep. <laughs> the truth is worse. And what a save. <laughs> the truth is worse. What a save. Okay, so there is a question. That's, what would you name your robot if you had a boots? <laughs> From fangirlshroot97 on Tumblr. I thought about this. And hit, hit us. I'm a huge fan of pets named after food. <laughs> and I feel like that, especially if I was a scout, you know, uh, that is the thing I would probably miss most is, you know, I'm a zillion miles away from, you know, restaurants and uh, potlucks and and uh, ingredients. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> I think I would name my robot sushi. Oh, that's cute. I was thinking chip or something for the pun, but <laughs> chip is cute. A little on the nose, but it's cute. No, thank you. I'm very on the nose sometimes. But yeah, I uh, I probably would actually just straight up go for Giga. What what bell names there? Oh yeah, what does that stand for again? Uh, um, it's garbage in, oh garbage God. out. <laughs> it's like a programming term. Yeah. If you yeah put garbage into a system, it's going to give garbage out to you. That that's how it works. And it's um in Diane Duane's book High Wizardry, which has a a bunch of tiny robot sentient alien being things that need to get named by a 13 year old nerd that's what she names my favorite of them is geeko so that's what that reference was me too i think i named my robot george (laughs) george is perfect is very good yeah i kind of think it's funny like when i think that's funny when pets are called like either just like yes like uh, a really strange, like just a really normal, like human name, like Fred, Steve. Frederick. Yes. Yeah, Steve. I think that's funny. So I've named my robot George, and everyone Good. will be like, "You named your robot George," and I'll be like, "Yeah." Don't hurt George's feelings. Come on, guy. Don't hurt George. Are we assuming that we're in a world where I haven't been in this show, and I wouldn't just name my robot Boots? No, you can you can name your robot <laughs> Boots. I think yeah. I think you should, you reserve that right. As I Gwen. feel like you get that right. Yeah. Gwen, Gwen yeah. does name it Boots, but what would a Shawnee name? I mean, name assuming that a Shawnee had not been in Second Star to the Left, because I think as I am now, it's really hard for me to think about a robot, a little that's like trundling robot that's like not Boots, because I spent so much <laughs> time fair. talking to Boots. But if Ishani had had to name, if I had, Ishani, I'm saying in third person, <laughs> if I had had to name a robot before I had been in the show, I would do the thing where historically I've been really good at naming things. Uh, I name them what they are. So I would call my robot <laughs> robot and it would be loving and affectionate. Beautiful. That rules. All right. What about you, Jordan? I thought about this one too. I do like world building and stuff so i had a spreadsheet of old germanic naming particles because <laughs> because before because before like biblical names like john showed up everyone was like named like warrior cats and i found i found the name edgelwin which which means sharp friend and you can oh, that's and good. you can shorten it to edgy I, oh my god! Oh, I, I just that. imagine I'm like this tiny win. boxy robot named Edgy. It's just like, how you doing, Edgy? I love and it's just it. like, like. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Joran wins. Okay, Matthew, what about you? 
<laughs> I have to you have to follow that, that up, oh, Matthew. God. I'm so sorry. All right. So I, I could go one of two ways. I'm very bad at names. Um, although I have some D&D playing friends who would love to get their hands on that spreadsheet of yours, Jordan. Oh, boy. Um, oh, yeah. Hit me up. I, I, so for some several people, several friends of mine have been talking to me about baby names recently. <laughs> I do not like babies. I'm not going to have one, but they like babies and they want some. So we talk about names. Um, <laughs> and for some reason, the name Chester just sort of feels fun Aww. to me. Oh, that uh, is a fun off, name. Going off yeah. of that, that uh, the spirit of George or Fred or something like that, Chester, I think, has, has a little charm to it. But I also, and if you ask me this question tomorrow, I'd give you a different answer. Um, but I like pulling names from books I've read. When I was mm. uh, very little, the first pet I had was a hamster that I named Nicodemus. That rules. Brisby and the Rats of Nim, or, or the Secret yes. of Nim. And uh, for a robot like Boots, I'd, I might like to go with Jenner. That's good. Yeah, I like Jenner. Mm -hmm. Jenner, Edgelwyn, Robot, Gigo, George, and Sushi. (laughs) Okay, this was so great. Thank you, everyone, for being here. Thank you guys so much. It was so much fun, and making the show was so much fun. (laughs) Thank you guys so much. Fun talking with you all. Thank you for bringing me on board. Let's do it again sometime. Yes, agreed. Let's do it again sometime. Let's do it again sometime.